We're starting a brand new series for the month of November that we've called Echo Chamber. And uh, we are spending the entire month talking about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And uh, how many know it's important that we are reminded of God's faithfulness in our life and his goodness? In fact, uh, it, it's, it changes our life when we come to a place where we're not just talking about it or even just singing about it, but it actually sinks in to where we really believe that God is faithful and that he is good. It will change how we live. And so we are spending this entire month to go uh, to just talk about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. In fact, we're gonna, we're gonna have some videos, testimonies each week, or these first three weeks, I should say, of our own people, uh, just sharing how God has been faithful in their life in a, in, a, in a way to encourage you and to challenge you and to stir your faith. And uh, we did the same series last year, as Jessica said, we did it uh, in November, and it was so great, it just had so much um, good, feedback, good uh, growth from it that uh, we decided to do it again. And uh, obviously we'll have different videos this year and different sermons, but it's all gonna be in the same vein. And uh, these first three weeks, we'll have video testimonies in the middle of my, my messages. And then the last week of this month, uh, Pastor Bone will actually come up and he'll share his testimony of, of God's faithfulness to him over these last few years of what he has gone through. It's an incredible story that he has too. So you don't wanna miss that either. Um, but anyway, it's, it's just gonna be a really good month. So I don't wanna waste any time. Um, I want to get going and jump into this. But before I read my text first, I do wanna give you the definition of an echo chamber so you understand why we called it that. Uh, it says that it's an environment in which participants encounter beliefs that reinforce their beliefs by communication and repetition. So that's exactly what we're doing this month. We are creating an environment for you in which you can encounter the beliefs of others and from the word that will encourage you and stir up your beliefs about God. So. Really excited to, uh, to do it this, this month. So uh, if you would stand with me, please, we're gonna read God's word together. My text verse today is out of 2 Peter chapter one. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you can always look on the screen behind me. Uh, this is Peter's letter to the early church. And when he wrote this, he knew he wasn't gonna be around much longer. Uh, whether it was revelation from God that showed him that he was gonna die soon or whatever it was, we don't know, but he knew he wasn't gonna be here much longer. And so he wanted to leave some things with the church. He wanted to encourage the church. So I'm gonna start in verse 12. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. He's talking about the things of faith that we need to be reminded of. Though you know and are established in the present truth, so they already knew truth, they're just being reminded of it. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. We need to be reminded of the goodness of God. The title of my message today is Believe Again. And I'm gonna ask you if you're comfortable with it as we pray, just to, to hold your hands up as a, as a way of surrendering and just letting God, asking God to come into this, these moments we have together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just offer ourselves to you today. Lord, we pray that you would be made great in our lives today, that you would transform us, that you would make us more like you. God, we are here to receive from you today. And God, however you want to use me, Lord, have your way. God, be glorified in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So in this crazy, busy life we live, we need reminders constantly, don't we? We, uh, our phone, praise God for phones that remind us of everything we need all the time, all right? 
Um, we need to be reminded of, reminded of appointments we have, of meetings we have. Sometimes you have to be reminded to take your medicine. Uh, your, uh, your car will remind you to put your seatbelt on. Very annoyingly, I might add. And uh, it, depending on what kind of watch you have, it will even remind you to stand up if you've been sitting too long. And then it will kind of like condescendingly congratulate you for standing up. Uh, we have all kinds of reminders in life. Part of it because life is just so busy, you just need help to remember everything, right? But there's another type of reminder we need in life too, and it's the reminder of our good memories that we have in life. We need to be reminded of the good things in our life. To be, to be able to reminisce, to be able to, to take a journey down memory lane and, and think about the good things that have happened in, in your life, whether it was like a great vacation that you had with somebody or, or uh, the day you graduated or the day you got married or had kids or whatever these things are, the day that your, your team won a big game, you know, like Ohio State, I mean Georgia. And, uh, and you're all excited about it. It is fun to reminisce, isn't it? It is actually very therapeutic for us. It warms our heart when we can reminisce about good things in life. Why is it that it feels so good to do that? Well, I would tell you because I believe that's God's plan. That's his design. He designed us that way to be able to remember the things that have happened so that we can enjoy them. It's why we take pictures. It's why we take videos of things because we want to go back later and watch it and look at them and, and be able to enjoy that. There's nothing like you know, when you're, as a family, if you sit down together, you look at old pictures of your family and how it can just really just create a mood in the house that's just so exciting and fun and, and heartwarming. God created us for those things, to be able to remember. In fact, it's all through your Bible where it says, where God is encouraging us to continually remember the goodness of God, to remember the things God has done, to remember who he is, to remember the, the things he's done for you and the things for people that have gone before you. Even my text verse had, you know, reminder and remember in there multiple times just in that one passage of scripture because that is God's desire for us that we would remember those things. In fact, one of the biggest reasons we read our Bible is to be reminded of who God is, to be reminded of his faithfulness, to be reminded of what he's done. You know, a lot of your Bible is, is history. A lot of it is about things that have already happened in the past. And, and we know that there's an aspect that the Holy Spirit is illuminating these things to us and making it relevant for us today too. But there's an aspect of it where it's like just reading can remind you of who God is. Reminding you of his faithfulness, reminding you of his strength, his power, his might, his goodness, his glory, all those things. In fact, last week we did uh, communion here in church. where we, we received the bread and the cup, the, the body and the blood of Jesus. And the Bible tells us to do that in remembrance of Jesus. We're remembering the sacrifice Jesus made. A lot of our faith is about remembering. That's why we're doing this series this month, because it's about, we're, we're creating this atmosphere, the echo chamber where we will, where sound is not lost, where the things that are about God that are good, that we'll be reminded of those things. It is a good thing to be reminded about the goodness of God. And there is no greater thing that we need to be reminded of about our God than his faithfulness. Remembering his faithfulness, being reminded of his faithfulness is huge because it draws us to him. Just like a, a sweet memory that you have with somebody else. If you went, if you had a good memory with a friend or a relative or a spouse, and when you reminisce about whatever that memory is, you'll notice in that time that it'll actually bond you together with that person again. To think about you know, that moment and, and remembering that you can kind of take yourself back to that place, it bonds you to that person just like your faith memories do to God. 
that when we remember the things in our faith, where we've seen God move in our lives, where we've seen him faithful, where we've seen him show up, we've seen his goodness. When we remember those things, it bonds us to God. So it's important that we do that, that we take time to do that in our life. And I know we've lived in these fast paced lives and life is crazy and we're always looking forward. We're always, we're setting goals and we're thinking about what we got going on this week. And it's so easy to forget to reminisce, to, to forget the things that God has done, the things that anybody's done in your life. To look back sometimes can feel like a daunting task because I got so much in front of me. But maybe, just maybe, that's the enemy's plan. Is that we would get so busy that we wouldn't even have time to think about what God has done in our life. That we wouldn't even take the time to really remember who he is and what he has been to us in our life. We have to be aware of that. And if you're struggling to remember how faithful God has been in your life, or if maybe you, when you think about it, it's not stirring you, that's probably indicative of where you actually are in life, that you're probably going through a tough time. Maybe in, in life in general, or maybe in your faith. Because you know, when you're going through a tough time in a situation, it's hard to focus on the good. It's in our nature to focus more on the bad. You know, if you're in a relationship with someone and the relationship's not good, you're not thinking about all the good things that that person has done in a relationship with you. You know, if you're married and you have a really bad, you know, disagreement with your spouse, you're really frustrated, you're really hopped up and, and angry, it's really hard to think about all the good things that that person has done for you. You wanna focus on the things that they're not doing right now, right? In fact, people have even said, you know, there's times where you, in the heat of the moment, you wonder, did I ever even love him or her, right? No, that's never happened to us, but it happens to other people. But then you make up and everything's right with the world again, right? But in that moment, you can, you can feel that way sometimes. It's the same thing with God in your faith. If you're struggling in your faith and you're having a hard time in faith and you're not seeing God doing what you need him to do in a situation, it can be easily, you can easily let your faith kind of weary. It can, it can detrimentally affect your faith. It can cause your belief to falter. And you can even get to that place where you can say, do I even love God? I'm sure many of you have been there. Maybe all of us have been there at some point wondering, maybe all this before was just kind of a fraud. Maybe I didn't really know what I believed. It's so important that we remember who he is to help get us through those difficult times in our life. And that is what Peter was writing in his letter. He, the, the church was starting to get persecuted at this time. It wasn't, it wasn't escalating all the way to the worst place it was, but it was starting to ramp up and they were getting some persecution. And so Peter knew that, so he's telling them, hey, I need to set reminders for you guys so that you can remember who God is and you can remember what he's done in your life. And it's important that you remember those things. It's one of the reasons he wrote this letter to the church. And we also see it in the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12 and verse two, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, church, let's remember what Jesus has done. Remember what he has done. He's the one that started your faith. So you can think back to when your faith started. He, that's him. And he's also the one that's perfecting it. He's the one that's moving it forward in your life. He says, fix your eyes because you know what? It's not in our nature to fix our eyes on Jesus. So we have to be intentional. Because if, and if we're not fixing our eyes on him, it's hard to remember or even think about what's happening now or to anticipate what's going to happen in the future. That's why you fix your eyes on something. 
If you're driving down the road and you're fixing your eyes on the road and the things in front of you, you're doing that to be so that you are aware of what's happening now and also so you can anticipate what's going to happen. You become expectant when you fix your eyes. I'm expecting that that curve is coming soon. I'm expecting that that car is gonna break in a minute. Fixing our eyes causes us to think about what's happening now, but also to be expectant for the future. And many times if we lose, if we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we become just kind of mundane. We lose that expectancy in our life. And we don't really expect much from him. And we forget all that he has done for us in our life. It's so important that we have to remember that. Now, uh, I promised you a, a video today. So we're gonna do, I'm gonna, they're gonna play this uh, testimony from uh, Chelsea Pittman, who many of you will recognize her. She's on our worship team. And uh, she shares a story about uh, her journey and how God has been faithful to her. And uh, so watch the screens and I'll come back. My name is Chelsea Pittman. I met my husband Jacob when I was 15 years old and he was 17 years old. Um, we got married when we were 20 and 22. A year and a half into our marriage, we started trying to um, have a baby. And we tried for about six-ish months, a year-ish. We found out that we were pregnant and the we were so excited and i at the time was not not close to the lord at all i was actually doing everything that i could to get away from the lord we were going to church we were just kind of doing the motions not being in the word not praying and i was constantly just depressed and lonely so when we found out that we were pregnant i was super excited thinking oh my gosh this is going to be everything that i need we went to the doctor the first couple of times and they kind of would look at everything and they're like, okay, it looks good, but you could tell there was some hesitation. They had ultimately, after emergency room trip and OB trip and everything, they said that I'd ultimately lost the baby. And at that point, something in me broke. At this point, I give up and I don't know what to do. Um, I was so angry at the Lord and I was just angry in general. We go a couple of months and I'm trying to fill that hole with everything but God, everything that I could do, going out with my friends, doing things that I knew that I shouldn't be doing. And a month or two went by. We found out we were pregnant again very quickly. I was like uh, just completely scared and op definitely operating in fear over anything else. And we went into that first. Uh, doctor's appointment they're like everything's good and I just remember finally praying and saying okay like I'll do whatever you want me to do just please make this child healthy and I will make sure that he knows you and I will I'll do whatever you want me to do God just just please I'd been in church my whole life I knew that who I needed to go to was him but I was still like so scared that I was just didn't have the faith that I should every little thing would be like, okay, he's not moving a lot today. You know, I remember my mom telling me, trying to make me feel better. She's like, Chelsea, which is, this is funny now, but um, Chelsea, he he doesn't move now, but I bet you when he comes out, he's gonna hit the ground running and he's not gonna stop. And um, I was like, okay, you know, maybe, but they were just telling me, just count his movements, make sure he's okay. We went in to have him when he came out and they held him up and I just remember hearing and feeling, you need to praise me right now. And so I 
just verbally was like, thank you, Jesus, you know, over and over again. And I was crying. And I will never, ever, ever forget that feeling. And in that moment, I made a promise that I would be a good steward of this child that he had blessed me with and that I would make sure that he knew who Jesus was. And this horrible thing that had happened that I don't understand, I knew that the Bible said that God's ways are higher, that his thoughts are higher. I have this little boy <laughs> that knows who Jesus is. He knows that there's power in his name. And if you ask him about Jesus, he'll tell you who he is. So I am just so thankful for the promises that God made to me that I've seen be fulfilled. In February of 2020, um, and I mean, it was right when COVID was being talked about and hitting, um, we found out we were pregnant again, and I was excited, of course, and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, a little bit scared again. And um, in March, we went to the doctor, and I just, I know their faces by now, you know, and she was, the ultrasound technician was just looking like, I don't, I, I'm so sorry, I don't think there's not a heartbeat. We're gonna have the doctor confirm, but there's, the heartbeat's not there anymore. And I just was audibly sobbing. I, I will say this time, knowing who God is and just having that peace that I had worked so hard for with Him, with God, um, I will say I felt peace and a joy that I didn't understand after the fact, but there, we're still human and we still get sad. You know, you still see somebody else that's pregnant or you still see this this mom with like five kids and you're like, why, why is this not something, you know, and you see all these women in the Bible too, that's like, they're supposed to have kids. And that was like, they're supposed to be a mom. And you know, you think I'm failing at literally like one of the two things, which is being a wife and a mom that I was supposed to do. And you don't understand because it's like God created you, but why is this happening to me? Why is it so hard for me? to have this baby and you and I have one and I'm super grateful for it but it's it's still like you still question like why and we're all um trying to operate in the vein of trusting the Lord and I think that's literally what you have to do and it is so hard sometimes to say okay Lord I have this blind faith but that is literally what you know having a relationship with Jesus is is saying I can't see it but I know you're working and you just have to trust that he's there and that he loves you I've seen it time and time again, you know, things things don't always happen in the way that we want, but He knows what we need. And so He has been so faithful in showing me that, you know, it's not all about you, Chelsea, but it is about giving me glory. And that I think that's, if there is, um, if I have to go through all of this and waiting and brokenness and healing and, you know, brokenness again and healing again, if I have to go through all of that, um, I'd rather go through all of it trusting Him and making sure that people know who He is and that He's a Savior and that He's a healer and that He can absolutely do miracles. Amen. You know, many of us probably find ourselves on the same roller coaster as Chelsea, where you've had disappointment and then you've had the, the fruition of what you've been hoping for, and then you have more disappointment, and, then, and you're waiting. And uh, you know, that, it's a great 
a very accurate depiction of how life in, with faith is. That we are always waiting for God for something. I've said it many times that if you're living this life of faith, you're always waiting for something from Jesus. And there's times it's gonna, it's gonna, there's gonna be ups and downs. And it's gonna be, feel like a roller coaster at times. And some of you not only relate to this, but you've actually maybe even got to the place where, you know, I just don't understand why it's not happening the way that it worked. It worked last time. You know, Chelsea could say, well, it worked last time. Why isn't it working this time? And maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've stopped even praying. Maybe you've gotten to where you just don't even really believe anymore that God's really going to move in your situation and in your life. And church, I came today to tell you, if, I, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. I came today to tell you that God wants you to believe again. He is calling us to believe again, to believe in him, to believe that he is who he says he is, to believe that he can do what he says he will do and that his name is faithful. He's not just faithful, that's who he is and he can't not be faithful in our life. And for some of us, we're scared to believe because we've just been through the heartache too many times and God is telling you today, it's time to believe again. It is time for you to believe again in your life. And I hope today to give you a little boost, a little uh, kickstart to help you with that because it's so important in our life that we do not allow ourselves to get to that place of just not really expecting anything from God because if you don't expect anything, you're really not gonna get much. You're not gonna experience much. And this is not a self-help plan to try to get God to do the things you want him to do. It's about living with peace. It's about living with joy. It's about living with contentment in life, knowing that you can trust God no matter what the situation. And so I wanna help you today with that a little bit. I wanna kind of walk you through a few things that I feel is important to us as we, as we work to believe again. And the first thing you have to do is you have to recognize where you got off track. If that's you today, you have to recognize where did I get off track? Be honest with yourself. Some of us have got on this journey, we got stale and disinterested in really believing for much of anything from God. And it could have been a slow roll for you, it could have just been a slow erosion over time, or it could have been something that was traumatic that happened in your life where you can go point back to that exact situation and say, that's where I stopped believing. Or it could just be bad influences in your life. It could be bad teaching in your life that has caused you to get off track, but you need to recognize for you where that is because you gotta go back to that place to be able to recognize it so you can deal with it. I love the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. It's one of my favorite books. It's so powerful. It's about freedom in Christ. And the church had just getting started and there was freedom in Christ and some of the Christians were going back into a lot of legalism. They, were, they got off track. And so Paul had to write this letter to them to kind of rebuke them but also to encourage them to get back on track. And chapter five is one of the best chapters you'll read in your whole Bible. And, and I just wanna read what he said here in chapter five starting in verse seven. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. This is so good because Paul is saying here, what happened? When did you stop believing? What caused you to get off track in your life? Who cut in on you? Who has caused you or what has caused you to change your perspective, to change how you approach your trust of God and believing God to be faithful in your life? What is that thing 
in your life that's caused you to get to that place. You know, uh, he's, he's basically talking here about, he said, who's cut in on you and kept you from obeying? It's like somebody cut in front of somebody. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, maybe at a sporting event or at a concert or even in church where you thought you had a good seat. Next thing you knew, you know, somebody real tall sat in front of you with real high hair and completely changed your perspective. Uh, I was reminded this week of like back in 2004, Joy and I got to go to the Masters tournament for the first time. And we got to go on Sunday of all days too. It was really great. It was a lot of excitement in the air. You know, we were enjoying watching the tournament and uh, Phil Mickelson was leading on Sunday and he hadn't won a major yet. So it was kind of a big deal. And, uh, you know, I've always been kind of a Phil Mickelson fan because he's a lefty and I'm a lefty and we have to stick together, you know. And, uh, and so after a while, we decided, hey, we're going to go to the 18th green because if he wins, we'd like to be there when he sinks that final putt, you know. So Joy and I head up to the 18th green and, you know, if you've ever been there, you know, there's hundreds of chairs all around the green, but nobody's in them yet because it's not, it's still too early. So we just kind of camped out. We're behind the last row of chairs. So I'm thinking, oh, we're gold. All these people are going to come in. They're going to sit down. We got a great view, you know. And originally that's what happened. Everybody starts filing in, you know, as it gets further and further. And next thing you know, the, it's just all people all around, they're sitting down. Phil comes up to the green. He's got to sink this one putt to win. And everybody's watching, you know, we're standing there. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be so great. And he stands over the ball and he hits the ball. And that's the last thing I saw. Because if you've been there, you know what happens. As soon as you hit the ball, every human being in Augusta stood up. And Joy and I are not afflicted with the curse of height. So, we saw the backs of heads and we just kind of stood there and all of a sudden I hear everybody scream. So I was like, well, I guess he made it. And that was kind of the end of it. Um, but I was there. So, <laughs> but it definitely changed our perspective. And that can happen in our faith too. Has somebody or something cut in on you in your faith to knock you off track as Paul was showing these guys here? He even says here, he's saying that, uh, he talks about the, the yeast, that a little yeast get, works its way through the whole dough, which if you don't know your Bible, that can sound kind of weird, not a place, but almost everywhere in the Bible that yeast is talked about, it's actually a, uh, it's, it's referring to the influence of sin or evil in life. And so he's saying here that a little bit of yeast, a little bit of sin, a little bit of evil can influence your whole life and get you off track. So he's saying, what is that yeast that got you off track? Church today, what is the yeast that got you off track. I wanna give you a few just very quickly just to get your wheels turning to help you maybe think through this, what it might be in your life that has helped you. And this is not exhaustive by any means, but these are prevalent in our lives sometimes. Disappointment can be yeast. I talked about that a little bit last week, that disappointment is very common in our faith because disappointment just means that your expectations aren't being met and that's okay and it does not have to knock you off track. Chelsea has had some disappointment. It has not knocked her off track, but it can if you let it. It can knock you off track and it can keep you there for a long, long time. But I love what Chelsea said. She said, you know, it doesn't always happen the way we want, but God knows what we need. That's determination to not let disappointment knock you off track. There's also doubt. Doubt is always a willing participant in our life. In fact, doubt is a lion in a cage that is just waiting for you to open the door so it can come out and devour your faith if you let it. Doubt can definitely knock us off track. There's the guilt in life, guilt of sin. Maybe you have just given yourself to a sin in your life 
where there's just things in your life you're just, you've tried to conquer it and you've just decided, you know what, I can't. So you just kind of embrace it and you're not even trying to throw it off anymore. The sin that easily entangles like we hear in, in Hebrews, you're not even doing that anymore. You've almost kind of embraced it, but you live with a constant guilt because you know that the spirit of God is convicting you, but you just can't do anything about it in your mind. And you live with that guilt. I promise you that guilt will knock you off track because anytime you try to come to God, that guilt is gonna come in and cut right in front of you because that's exactly what it does. We don't have to live with guilt, but if we give ourselves to sin in our life, that guilt is there all the time. So it'll knock us off too. And then there's just good old fashioned being stagnant. Stagnancy. This is easily the biggest one in the church today where you just, you just kind of slowly erode. Have you ever seen a stagnant pond? It's gross. There's there's yucky stuff growing in it. It's just not something you'd ever want to swim in. It's not brimming with life. And many of us, that's where we've gotten in our faith that it's just been slowly over time we've eroded to where we just really don't believe for much of anything, where we've just gotten off track in our life. You're not moving. You're not growing. You're just kind of here. You know, you know enough, you believe enough to know that I want to be in the club, but I'm really not going to believe God for anything significant in my life. You've just become stagnant. And I can tell you, if you're not growing and if you're not moving, you're forgetting. You're forgetting. You're not remembering the goodness of God. You're not remembering the faithfulness of God. You're not remembering anything good if you're not moving or growing in your life. We need to be stirred. Do not allow yourself, don't settle into that place of stagnancy where you just accept that that's just kind of how it is. I've been saved a long time and it just kind of over time, it just, you know, you just kind of settle into that whole mundane, like whatever kind of feeling. We need to be stirred, church. We need to beg God to not let us get to that place where we're just totally fine with being discontent because that is a scary place to be. And that is a dead church that is not having any effect in the, in the, in the, world around us. It is not building God's kingdom on this earth. It is not making the kingdom of God come to earth just like it is in heaven. It's just us just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and getting through. And that is not the plan for God's people. That we would live stagnant, that we would live with full of doubt, that we would live uh, with guilt in our life, that we would just live with all this disappointment, but that we would be bold, that we would be active, that we would be passionate, on fire, people that want to grow in our faith and want to trust God more today than we did yesterday and more tomorrow than we did today. Let's pray that God would stir us, but we need to recognize where we got off track. And then when we recognize that we need to acknowledge the result. That sounds really simple, but it just means basically you just need to own it. If you're off track, if you're at a place where you just don't believe much, for God, like he can do stuff for other people, but he's just not gonna do anything in my life. If you're not believing, you just need to own it. Admit it, that we got off track. That's one of the biggest problems in the church is that we don't really admit our shortcomings. We get so good at putting on the good face that we actually kind of fool ourselves. We make ourselves think, actually, I'm okay. When the reality is, no, I'm not okay. I haven't believed God for anything great in my life in years. What am I doing? Admit it. Own it, don't own it in such a way that I'm like, well, that's who I am, this is who I'm gonna be, but own it in such a way that you recognize it and you recognize what it's actually done in your life and how it has negatively affected your life so you can move on from that place in your life. 
We just live in denial so much. We, we can convince ourselves that, well, you know, my faith, I'm just, I'm just really prudent in my faith. You know, I'm just really smart in my faith. You know, I just, I want to make sure I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not being overly emotional and I'm, I'm, I'm not just getting all caught up in a lot of whatevers. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just pretty straight laced and I'm pretty strong in, in just making sure I'm just not doing anything really bad to screw it all up. God's sovereign. Whatever he wants is going to happen anyway. You know what? I, and that is true. But let me tell you something. You can hide behind the sovereignty of God as an excuse to not believe him for anything. And that is not his plan for us. We don't hide behind his sovereignty to just be apathetic. That is not what it means to say that he is sovereign. He works in all things, he's above all things, but he still wants a church that is expectant. He wants a church that is determined to move forward in faith, to believe God for great things, to, to not be stagnant sitting back and saying, well, you know what, it's just not a big deal. I'm just, I don't wanna be one of those crazy, emotional, Pentecostal, charismatic people. You know, I'm just, I'm just real, you know, I'm linear, so this is just how it is. It's not how God wants us to be in our life. In fact, if I, let me tell you, Jesus used uneducated nobodies to fulfill his will when he was on this earth. Unsophisticated, unlearned, but they were on fire and they were passionate. I'd rather be an on fire, unsophisticated, dummy nobody than a sophisticated, straight-laced, unbelieving somebody. Because that's who God wants to use, is the nobodies that are willing to put their faith and their hope in him. That's who he uses. Praise God. Now listen, I had to admit it to myself this week. I had to admit it that there's areas in my life where I'm, I just don't, I haven't really believed him for much. Well, I haven't really been, I've been afraid to really believe. And I don't want to stay there. I don't know about you guys, but I am not going to stay there. I am determined not to stay there. I don't want to have to think back 20 years ago to when I really had bold faith and stepped out for God. I want to be able to talk about it as it was last week and tomorrow and yesterday and today that I'm not afraid to have bold faith to step out for him. Praise God. And you know, the irony of all of this is that we can, uh, the very blessings that come into our life from salvation are the things that can cause us to lose belief, that can cause us to actually become just not really concerned about stepping out in our faith. Because when we, get, when we step into salvation, we step into the blessings of God in our life, and he blesses us, we can easily start to take pride in those blessings and think that we're doing it ourselves. Which is a, a warning that Moses gave way back in Deuteronomy to the children of Israel, which is eerily prevalent today. Let me read in Deuteronomy 8, 11. He says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, he's saying, if you forget, this is what's gonna happen. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, if that's not the Church of America today, I don't know what is. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. The very blessings of God. How many of us have allowed the prosperity in our life, the increase in our life, 
to be the things that God has given us to be the very things that we start to lean on. The very things that cause us to feel like, yeah, I did this on my own. I mean, I still got, I got faith because I know I need to go to heaven, but I think I got the rest kind of figured out. And really, it's all blessings from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. In fact, he goes on, Moses goes on in this to say that even the wealth that you've created for yourself, the ability to create that wealth came from God. But yet we can use that as something to cause us to lean on that. And when we do that, we are forgetting what God has done. We are forgetting and we're losing faith in the source of where those things come from in our life. So we have to acknowledge the result of falling off track. And we do that so that we can put ourselves out there again. To believe again, to put ourselves out there again. You know, some of us here have to admit that we don't believe for much anymore. Maybe you've even kind of settled into it. It's almost like it's okay. But maybe today you've been stirred a little bit or at least made aware. But can I tell you today that if you don't do something, nothing's gonna change. If you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I want him to pray for me. I want God to change all this. I want him to stir me up. I want him to give me some fresh revelation. I want to have that emotional rush so that I can actually believe again. Can I tell you, that's not really how God usually works. He doesn't want us just sitting back and saying like, I'm not gonna do anything until God really shows me, until I get that revelation from God, until I get the emotional part of it figured out so that I can go into it confidently. It's not how he wants to work. He wants you to do something. He meets us where we are. He meets us when we step out, when we come into that place. He is moved by our faith. He is moved by our, uh, the manifestation of our faith, the outworking of our faith. In Matthew 8, Jesus is in Capernaum and a centurion comes to him and says, hey, I got a servant at home that's suffering terribly. Can you, come, can you please pray for him and heal him? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll come with you. And the guy says, no, 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 I don't need you to come to my house. In fact, I'm not worthy to have you under my house under my roof, but I know how this works. I know about authority. And he said, I have soldiers under me and I can tell one to come and the other one to go and they do it. He said, all you gotta do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And you know what Jesus said in response to that? I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And guess what? His servant was healed and Jesus didn't even have to go to his house. Jesus is moved. God is moved by our faith, by our willingness to step out as this centurion did. He could have taken a safe route and said, okay, come on to my house, Jesus. He's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna be bold here. I'm gonna say, you don't even have to come to my house. And Jesus said, you know what? You're right, I don't. But he's also moved by our lack of faith in the opposite way. If you know the story of Jesus being in his hometown and everybody saw him and they were like, oh, this ain't the Messiah. This is Joseph's son. Joseph's a carpenter. This guy's a nobody. You know what Jesus said to that? Or what it says about Jesus in that in Mark, in Mark 6, 6? He was amazed he was moved by their lack of faith. And if you know the story, you know he wasn't able to do much work there. The God of the universe was not able to heal much there. It said he could lay hands on a few sick people. That was it. Because of their lack of faith. So God is moved by our faith, and he's also moved by our lack of faith. I'd rather be in the camp where he's saying, I haven't seen faith like that in a while. I'm going to do something for that. That's what God wants for us. And church, the reality is at some point, whatever has knocked you off your track, okay? 
at some point, you're gonna have to go in the opposite way of your fear, of your nervousness, of your anxiety in your faith, of your cynicism, of your disappointment, of your doubt, of your guilt, of being stagnant. You're gonna have to come against all of that and do something. You're going to have to step out. In fact, when I was preparing this this week, I felt like the Lord, if there's anything I felt like he spoke to me, personally and for the church, was that many of us are just one or maybe two difficult decisions away from experience breakthrough in our life. Of really seeing God moving in our life. And listen, church, if you know us and you know us here at New Hope, we are not prosperity preachers. We are not a prosperity church. That is, that is the opposite of who we are. But there are times in specific situations and in specific seasons where God says, you know what, I need you to do something and I'm gonna show up in that moment. I'm gonna show you that I am who I said I am. I'm gonna show you that I'm faithful. I'm gonna give you a testimony to share with other people. But he's saying you have to do something. Now, I don't know what your decision is that you have to make. You might know what it is. It might be a relationship you gotta break off. It might be somebody you gotta confront. It might be giving some money to somebody to, to stir up your faith and your finances. It might, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the decision is, but many of us are just one or two decisions away to seeing God really do something miraculous in your life. And let me tell you, miraculous doesn't mean like you're gonna grow three inches, okay? That'd be a cool one for me, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't have to be this thing that is just being on the news worthy. It's a, the biggest miracle in life is when our heart is transformed. When we have the ability to trust him in ways that we never dreamed we could that we have the ability to be able to, to walk with him and know him and experience him in ways that the world could never understand. If they said it on the news, everybody watching the news would go, what, what is that? Where you have a joy unspeakable that cannot be taken away by circumstances in your life. So what are those decisions for you? I want you to think about that today. I want you to ponder it. I want you to talk to people in your life, somebody that's here with you today and like have the conversation, like what do I need to do? Because I want to stoke my faith, I'm tired, of being off track, and I wanna believe again. Stand with me, church. I wanna invite you to the altar. We need to believe again. Anything in your life where you feel like, man, I just have not believed God. I've prayed and I've asked him, and I just haven't seen it happen, so I've kinda of given up. Come on, come on up, I wanna pray for you that God would give you strategy, that God would even show you what those tough decisions that you need to make in your life, what those are. I can tell you, if you're never scared in your faith, you're not doing it right. <laughs> I promise you, we should be constantly having to really assess, like, man, we need, if you've never put yourself out there in faith to where if God didn't show up, you wouldn't be a little embarrassed, then you're missing it. I've had plenty of times where I put myself out there in my faith and it didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go. And in, in the moment, I was a little embarrassed. Joy and I have had moments like that. We had plenty of moments like that. We told people 15 years ago, we felt like the Lord told us we're gonna adopt two kids from another country. It never happened. But we both felt it, we both believed it, we stepped out, we did it. It was kind of embarrassing, but at the end of the day, I'm just being faithful. And well, you know what, it didn't hurt my faith. If anything, it kind of stirred it. I'm like, okay, Lord, I missed you. Now I know when it, I, I kind of get a sense of like, okay, sometimes when I think I heard something, I didn't really hear it. 
But there's been a lot more times that I've stepped out and God has met me and my faith has been stoked and stirred and I've had revelation in my life and I've had that emotional rush that comes from having that deep relationship with him. It's worth it. Be afraid, but do it anyway. That's the word for today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, I pray for each and every person at this altar, Lord. I thank you for their, for their willingness to even step out today, God. And I pray you would meet them in that place, that you would honor their willingness today, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would move by your spirit over these people, over their lives, in their hearts, in their spirit. Lord, that their spirit would testify with your spirit and that you would speak to them. God, the decisions that they have to make, Lord, you give them direction, you give them the, the boldness, the courage to do what needs to be done, even if they're afraid. God, we reject depression. We reject disappointment. We reject the doubt. We reject the guilt. We reject being stagnant. Lord, we come today and we say no longer. We're not going to let whatever it was that knocked us off track, it's not gonna keep us there. We're coming back. Your word tells us to come to you. We don't expect you to hand it to us on a silver platter. We're gonna come and we're gonna meet you. And God, would you meet us in that place? Help us to believe again. God, help us to be expectant. Lord, it is a good thing to be expectant. We know it. Stir our expectancy, God. Lord, for those who have believed for things and just kind of given up, God, help them to believe again. Do it, Lord. Do it in our lives, Lord. We wanna be a church on fire. We wanna be a church that is moving and active and that is bringing your kingdom to this earth and that it is spreading like wildfire, God. Lord, we wanna see your kingdom come and your will be done in this place and on the earth, just as it is in heaven. Do what only you can do, Lord. We repent where we have given in to the flesh, where we have not pursued you, Lord, where we have allowed the enemy to get us off track, where we've allowed the yeast, the influence of sin and evil in our lives, where we've allowed it to overtake the whole dough. God, we repent of that today. We thank you for your forgiveness. We, we let it go, we turn the other way and we receive your grace and your mercy today. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we honor you today, God. Transform us, make us more like you. Draw us closer to you, Lord. Draw us to you, God. Help us to respond to the call. Help us to be bold when we're afraid. Help us to have courage when we're terrified. Be Lord of our lives. We need a savior, but we also need a Lord. And we give that to you today, God. We thank you for it, Lord Jesus. We love you. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Yes, let's worship God one more time. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Don't be afraid to believe again. Church, especially you up here at the front, it is a good thing to be expectant. Don't believe the lie that when you expect, you're just gonna be disappointed. It is a good thing. It is God's call on every one of our lives to expect great things from him. That's what he wants to do. Praise God.